Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Go Tech Please Don't Die podcast, a show devoted to tech going and hopefully not dying. I'm Nathan. I'm Evan. I'm Matt. And on this episode, we talk about that famous game that took place on October 13th, 2012 in North Louisiana. That's right, ULM's complete domination of FAU in a 35 to 14 blowout. <laughs> yes. Uh, man, jeez. I wouldn't have known, but that score was on the screen a few times during the actual game we're going to be talking about, <laughs> A&M Tech game. Yeah, I'm uh, currently wearing my the, the shirt that the bookstore sold to commemorate this game. I bought it before the game because uh, my expectations were very high that we would win it, and I would love to wear the shirt all the time afterwards. But, uh, you know, I, I break it out from time to time now. Does that shirt have the right date on it? Or was that no. made pre? It has the August, August whatever date, August 31st, I think. Are there 30 for 31 days in August? I don't know. Yes. Probably. <laughs> I actually had forgotten that game was rescheduled. Yep. Yeah, it was originally supposed to start off the year and then ended up getting moved to that date because both teams had open dates because scheduling yeah. actually worked out there. But let's jump back a little bit. Evan, we were talking about setting up this game real quick, the Louisiana Tech versus A&M game in 2012. What kind of happened leading up to that point, especially in the year before? Yeah, so, you know, going into that 2012 season and really into the A&M game, I think expectations for Tech football were probably about as high as they've ever been, at least in at least in my, you know, 10 plus years of being a fan. In 2011, which was Tech's second season under Sonny Dykes, we had started out with a one and four record, um, had a couple of close losses. Nick Isham was the quarterback uh, who we've talked about on this podcast before. But then Colby Cameron took over and really just won the job and Tech won seven straight games and ended up actually winning the WAC championship, which was, uh, you know, spoiler alert, the last time we won uh, a conference championship in football anyway. And so, uh, those seven straight wins uh, led to a poinsettia bowl berth out in San Diego, where the dogs fell to, I believe, the 18th ranked Horned Frogs from Texas Christian. So, yeah, I, I mean, just a really great season. And the only thing that really happened in the offseason that I remember was a really unfortunate tragedy. Um, tech running back, a sophomore running back, Tyrone Duplessis, unfortunately uh, passed away due to a massive heart attack. Um, so the team kind of had that kind of tragedy element to it as well. And they ended up dedicating the 2012 season to Duplessis and his family. But I mean, I just remember the expectations for the actual on the field product going into 2012 being like, I mean, ludicrously high, I think after those seven straight wins and really bringing, bringing a fight out to San Diego, but not un, unfortunately not able to pull out, out the victory there. Yeah, and that carried over into 2012. When I first stepped on campus, it was like, oh, wait, no, look, our football team is great. We're going to have a great year. We had three Power 5 teams on the schedule, but it was Illinois, Virginia, and Texas A&M. A&M being the one that looked the toughest on paper, but going into the year, they weren't exactly expected to be world beaters either. Yeah, they had some unknown guy coming in at quarterback. Yeah, some <laughs> some Johnny last name football somebody. <laughs> and then because that game got moved due to Hurricane Isaac, Tech was able to play five different teams before playing AM, and they won all five battles against Houston, Rice, Illinois, Virginia, and UNLV, and picked up the dog's second ever spot in the top 25 at number 23. The only other time they were able to make the top 25 was back in 1999. This was Tech's best start since the Division II years in the 1970s. Yeah, I actually... I think it's interesting to note that the Illinois and Virginia games were actually back-to-back -back road games at Power 5 teams. So I don't know if, I mean, I'm sure 
LaTeX reporter or LaTeX sports reporter, somebody out there can figure out if we've ever won back-to-back road games at P5 teams before. But even though it was Illinois and Virginia, I mean, Illinois was better back then than they have been recently. And, you know, those were both like borderline bowl teams, I think. So, you know, just to go on the road two games in a row and win both games in Power 5, I mean... It was pretty crazy. And on top of that, Tech started the game against Virginia down 24 to nothing. But then we scored 34 straight points and ended up winning, I think, like 44 to 38 or something like that. So um, just just a pretty crazy little tidbit there. And as Nathan mentioned, you know, starting out 5-0, and that, that doesn't really tell you the story. Uh, Tech was all about offense back then. It, anyone who remembers the Dykes years can attest to that, you know, Tech's it was all offense, and we'll get to it in a second, but almost no defense. But in those first five games, uh, Tech was number three in points per game, scoring 53 points per game, and 11th in yards per game with somewhere somewhere around 550 or something like that. And that that even though stats don't really tell you the actual story, I mean, Dykes' offense was just, I mean, really pedal to the metal, just like go, go, go. You get five yards on a pass, you run straight back to the line of scrimmage and you run that play again. Like it just watching it again. I mean, it's crazy how fast that offense operated. And to that point in the season, no one had had stopped the Bulldogs or even really started to slow us down. And then, like I mentioned, the, the defense, though, <laughs> was uh, was also great. Right. They were good. Right. <laughs> right. If, if by good, you mean second worst going into this game. Um, at the end of the season, this was one of the all-time worst defenses in college football history. I think they've been topped since then by like a UMass or a Rutgers or somebody in, in recent years. But at this time, they were only allowing 531 yards per game, which, as I said, was second worst. So, yeah. <laughs> no, they were not great. And if, if we could have coupled like maybe even our worst – skip Holtz defense with this offense we would have been like 12 and 0 you know pushing for a bcs bowl at that time so uh but unfortunately that was that was not the case um also of note dykes's team was not very disciplined they averaged 92 penalty yards per game which was the most in the nation so that's kind of what tech looked like going into this game in october what did a&m look like nathan yeah, A&M had gone 4-1 and one on the season so far, earning them a rank of number 22 in the country. Their only loss of the season came in their opening game against Florida. Hey, Matt, you haven't said anything about Who do you think the quarterback of Florida was in 2012? It was it Jeff Driscoll? It was Jeff Driscoll. It was that's indeed. What, yeah, that's what I thought. Um, why, you know, and it's it's funny because Houston Bates was playing for Illinois that year whenever Tech went up to Illinois. Yep. So it's it's weird that, uh, I don't know, it's weird that the kind of full circle stuff that happens. But as you were saying. Yeah. And AM, because of what we saw in this game to come, they had also boasted a top 10 offense led by a quarterback that you had probably heard of, even if you hadn't watched this game, Johnny Manziel. Canadian Football League legend. Yeah. <laughs> the redshirt freshman was just coming into his own on the team. And Evan, you uh, had something to say about him? Yeah. One thing I noticed was that the announcers uh, during the game really, they talked about Johnny Football, you know, and we all know that obviously this, he's in the middle of his Heisman campaign watching this back. Um, but the announcers are like, man, he's really great running with the ball and he's really great like passing on the move, but we want to see more pocket presence. We want to see more leadership. And, uh, yeah, they, they got pretty much anything you could want out of him in this game. Um, but I just thought that was really interesting to note how it wasn't a foregone conclusion, obviously, that he was going to win the Heisman Trophy. But, you know, seeing this game and how he performed, I mean, 
yeah, it, it pretty much started here. We'll talk about that later, I'm sure. Yeah, and going into the game several times early on, it, the announcers made it sound like this was Tech's Super Bowl. This was the big game in Tech history, is what they were saying over and over again. So do we agree? It's been years now, so maybe things have changed too. But even even thinking about back to that moment, was that the biggest game in tech football history? No, no. I think that there's a... What would be then? That You see, I don't know. I don't have an answer for that question, but I can just say that, that I don't really subscribe to the notion that certain teams have Super Bowl games or, or things like that. I just think that that's a, one of those sports generalities that people throw out that is kind of overused. Was it one of the biggest games? Sure. But I don't think that you go into that game with the mentality of, oh, this is our Super Bowl. This is this is everything this program's been building towards since the early 1900s. Uh, no, I don't. I, I'm not down with that. Was it the biggest game of that year? I don't even know if it was the biggest game of that year. Well, yeah, you could definitely argue for the Utah State game where yeah, there's Orange Bowl reps in the crowd. We're ranked 19th. I mean, and the and you know the conference at stake at that point. Yeah, I don't know though. I mean, so LaTeX Sports Report pointed out that this appears to be the only time in Tech history that both teams were ranked. So Tech was ranked and their opponent was ranked. And so, I mean, that has something to say for it. And, you know, you're starting out 5-0 and for the first time since the 70s, your first time ever in FBS. You've already beaten two Power 5 teams. I mean, if you keep this train rolling, like I said, you're looking at being in the BCS Bowl conversation, right? Like, there's no way around that. Shit, we had we had Orange Bowl reps at the game after we lost this game. So this was kind of a different era in terms of, you know, what we call G5 now being actually still relevant in the national conversation because of that, that BCS automatic birth for, for one of those schools. But um, I'm looking up the other time tech was ranked was the last week of the season in 1999, we were 25th played at USC and got curb stomped 45 to 19. So I guess you could argue that going into that, you know, there, there was a lot at stake there. We, we had an eight game winning streak, uh, eight and two on the season going in there, but you know, even a nine and two season is not, I guess you beat Alabama and USC in that season. That'd be pretty cool, but that would be anyway, I, I don't know that I would disagree that it's the most important game in, in tech football history, just because you're going for six and oh, you're going for your third power five victory in four weeks. Like that's insane. Right. So I don't know. I think I would say it's probably the biggest game. I don't know that I would have mentioned it on every single bumper uh, going out to commercial like they did in the broadcast. But um, what, what about you, Nathan? I would say a particular game in 1904 was the biggest game in tech football history and they beat <laughs> LSU. But I mean, also, if you ask some people, every time we play ULL, that's the biggest game. And that's our Super Bowl right. every time. So I agree with Matt with the first thing you said. Framing things in this context really doesn't make too much sense. Right. Yeah. There, and there's obviously like we played in two conference championship games since then that had bigger stakes. Right. Like you're talking about taking home a trophy if you win that game. This this game had different things riding on it. So, I mean, yeah, I'm definitely against, especially the whole like big school, little school thing, right? Like on every broadcast where tech plays Oklahoma or even like Kansas state, probably they, they say, Oh, this is, this is a huge game for the Bulldogs. And it's like, I mean, it'd be nice to win, but it's just another game, you know? Yeah. You're paying us for this. I guess not in the Texas A&M instance, but most of those P5 games are, you're paying us sure. to be here. If right. we win, we win. But let's go ahead and jump into this game now. The thing we're actually talking about and, and kind of move through it. The first quarter, of course, 
the game had started before the broadcast had switched over. I didn't see which game was wrapping up, but the first score by Texas A&M was done without television coverage. Yep. <laughs> kind of set the tone for how this game was early on. Oh, yeah. It was, oh, man. The first quarter was terrible. Terrible. I mean, that, I don't even know that we really need to go through it. Tech didn't do anything. And, yeah, Nathan, you've got a, a little drive <laughs> drive chart here. I don't know if you want to read that and put some yeah. dramatic music behind it. The first six drives were AM touchdown, tech punt, AM touchdown, tech turnover on downs, AM touchdown, tech punt. Really, the only bright side about this was that we got to see Super Bowl champion Ryan Allen a few times. Right. We got to see two time Ray Guy Award winner Ryan Allen in the midst of his second Ray Guy um, award winning campaign. Campaign, yes, of course. Yeah, so that brought us to the end of the first quarter right there, already done. We're not going to spend too much time on that, I don't think. And yeah, we have a lot to talk about later, so let's just go. I mean, geez, yeah. Really the first 24 and a half minutes we can just kind of breeze through here. <laughs> yeah. Well, the second quarter started. Tech finally kept AM out of the end zone on their first drive of the second quarter, but still gave up a field goal, which at the time kind of felt like an absolute win. Yeah. Just, okay, cool, no touchdown this time. That's that's good. But Tech couldn't capitalize on the positive, I guess, momentum and also forced another turnover on downs, giving the ball back to the Aggies. Texas A&M drove, uh, attempted another field goal, this time a 54-yarder, but because of the wind in, at Independence Stadium that night, there was enough leg on the kick to make it another good field goal. Yep. Now, 532 left in the first half. The Bulldogs finally get on the board, finally score a touchdown, and then 12 game seconds later, Later, Texas A&M was back up to being up 27 uh, points after a 75-yard pass from Johnny Manziel to Mike Evans. Yeah, I, I just, I mean, every time Tech seemed to be maybe starting to like live in this game, you know, we say, go Tech, please don't die. Like they were absolutely dead. And then they start coming back to life and A&M's just like, oh no, we've still got our foot on your neck. Don't worry. One thing I had noted about that touchdown uh, that Tech scored um, before the Mike Evans play uh, was that the play before Dixon bowled over two two defenders for a touchdown, um, really just shedding them right off. R.P. Stewart was hit in the hands with a perfect pass over the shoulder in the end zone, and he dropped it. Hey. So uh, th- there's our first R.P. Stewart mention uh, in my notes here from watching the game back. Yeah, my note says, what, wait, the R.P. Stewart fade was already tried, and then on all caps, and already failed. Right. Also, they mentioned <laughs> at some point during the broadcast that he had had four receptions all year before that night. Yep, I, I also noted that as well. <laughs> also, one last note to get out of the way. At this point in the game, I was getting very tired of hearing the phrase SEC speed. Oh my gosh, yeah. I, I had in my notes, too, that it took them one minute into the broadcast to mention that this was an SEC defense. And I was like, oh my god, this is going to be a long four hours of watching this. <laughs> made up of players that were recruited to play in the Big 12, but whatever. Yeah. And and so after Tech scored their first touchdown, I distinctly remember standing in front of the Texas A&M student section because I was in the band uh, waiting for the halftime show to start. I'm standing down there on the field just like, "Ah, maybe we can come back, but I just don't. I don't know. I I was deeply pessimistic at this time that we were even going to make this a game. Yeah. And then Tech tried to prove you wrong by answering with a nine place, 75 yard drive for another score. On that TV drive, Dixon ran the ball in, I think I remember seeing. And in shades yeah, I of- definitely mixed up the drives. This is the drive where R.P. Stewart was hit in the hands and then Dixon scored the touchdown. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I've messed it up. 
On that drive, though, Dixon's jersey numbers were starting to rip off in shades of the New uh-huh. Orleans to come. Kind of a flash forward moment and history repeats itself, I guess, is what they're talking about. <laughs> but not really. Exactly. And but not really is really how you can feel after what happened right after the score. And that was a blocked point after touchdown that was returned for two points by the Aggie. What you know, that's going to be an important thing to bring up at the end of this because the final score was a two point differential. Yep. Yeah. And we actually had some comments from, you know, people we asked for people to comment on the game and everything. And so Tanner Spearman tweeted at us and said that the blocked extra point that the Aggies ran back for two is the reason we lost or didn't at least force OT. We had to chase points the rest of the game, had a couple of failed two point conversions. It's a three point swing and a two point loss. So um, right. and then Justin Doty agreed and said that it was crazy that a game with that much offense basically came down to a blocked extra point. So a couple of people actually noted that. And, you know, thinking back on the game before I watched it, I wouldn't have singled that out as one of the moments, you know, if I could change one thing from this game, that wouldn't have been in the top five probably, but it's a good point. It, yeah, it is. It's funny. Cause I remember it happening. I remember seeing it happen, but uh, all these years later, didn't really connect the dots until uh, we watched it and thought to myself, wow, if you take that away, uh, maybe we would have had a shot. <laughs> yeah. What's crazy is we still had a, what's crazy is we still had a shot at the end, but I, yeah. l- let's continue on. Yeah. I don't remember it happening in the moment. I think mostly because it felt like everything was going wrong. Like, even though Tech is trying again, they're finally like woken up, right. but everything is going like- wrong. Even when something goes right, it, it ends up going wrong, you know? Yeah, you had said on, you were on the field thinking, I, I can't imagine how this comeback happens. After that, I think, is when I started thinking, yeah, this yeah. is, even if the offense puts up the points, there's no way the defense holds the Aggies down long enough. Right. Wants to catch back up. Like if, if they had played like this from the beginning, it would have been a completely different game. Oh yeah. But yeah. After that blocked point after touchdown and return, the team created field goals uh, before the end of the half. One much easier than the other. The win still favoring Texas A&M. Their field goal kicker made a. I mean, it was a kick. He made it. But then Matt Nelson made a 43-yard field goal against the wind. Yeah. So I, I mean, that kind of le- leads to halftime, and you know. In my watch through, I had very different feelings than I did, you know, marching on the field (laughs) with the band uh, at the time. But it just felt like everything Tech was up to that point in the season was all offense. And we were finally seeing that in the last five minutes of the half. We scored 16 16 points in the last five minutes. The problem was that Texas A&M also scored 12 points in that same period. And then I think the biggest takeaway for me watching it back was that the defense was doing a great job forcing Texas A&M into third downs and then just let him off the hook every single time, whether it was, whether it was third and three or third and 12 or whatever. I think they started the game seven for seven for, uh, from on third down. So yeah, you're, you're just not going to win if you can't get off the field on third down. Yeah. I mean, we still have another half to play, but they ended the game 14 for 21 on third down. Right. Like, so it got better in the second half, but that's crazy. That's, yeah. that's such a good ratio. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And obviously, I mean, we'd be remiss if we didn't mention that Johnny Manziel in the first half and in the second half was just incredible. I mean, he had a he had a throwaway on like a third and six or something. He ran like 95 yards. He ran to what he basically did what Xavier Woods did against ULL that one time, except then threw the ball away at the end. So it was like all for literally nothing. But the the announcers were like, well, that's going to make the defenders tired and it probably did make them tired because they were chasing him the whole way. So, uh, but, but yeah, I mean, the dude was just incredible in this game. Yeah. Matt, did you have any thoughts at halftime? Well, uh, 
Um, I was watching as a, uh, I, I wasn't in the band of pride. So I was, uh, I don't know. I feel like when you have other things going on at the game, you guys have a responsibility to the band. You have a responsibility to you know play your instruments and do your bit. I was just there to spectate. And I had gone to a couple of other games earlier in the season. Uh, I think that we opened up the season against rice. Cause I remember we had a shirt that said serving up red beans and rice, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. I, I also have that shirt. A lot Cooking of my, up red beans and rice. <clears throat> yeah, I thought so. Anyway, uh, so uh, I was there with my brother, who at the time was a law tech student, and uh, some family friends. And I just want to kind of talk about the atmosphere in the first half. I remember getting, like, I'll just I'll just bring it back to the whole day. Like, there was like a, a buzz. Like, a, like, at least for me, there was. There was like a buzz for me. Like, I felt like a, a lot of excitement. I didn't know too much about A&M coming into the game because I wasn't as fully immersed in college football as I am now. But I knew it was going to be a big deal because the traffic to get in, because I'm, I'm from Shreveport, Bossier. And I don't know if we failed to mention that earlier, but this game was an independent stadium. It wasn't in oh, Ruston. Yeah. It wasn't in Ruston. It wasn't in College Station in Texas. It was at, well, I say neutral site loosely, uh, in Shreveport at the Independent Stadium right off I-20. But getting to the game, the traffic on I-20 was ridiculous. It was insane. It was... Yeah, us on the band bus, we had a police escort. I remember that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it was it was ridiculous. So you don't usually get those. Right. In that respect, it kind of was like a Super Bowl atmosphere. I mean, I'm not... That's more superficially speaking, not, you know, football speaking anyway. But the event itself felt very Super bowl ish the traffic was insane the tailgating was next level i'd never seen anything like it there was like a buzz outside of the stadium like something really incredible was going to happen i remember trying to get into the stadium with everybody my brother and friends and everyone was like really excited like oh we got to get in we got to get in we got to see the game and then it started (laughs) uh i think it started off like what 27 to 0 24 to 0 27 0 yeah and i remember we were sitting way up in the we were in the end zone uh way up high and uh i remember looking behind my because there's a chain link fence that uh, serves as the boundary between gravity and die, and uh, we were way up, we were way up top. And I remember looking through the chain link fence, and I remember looking behind me, and there was just a horde of people leaving the stadium. I mean, it was a a ton of people because we were right at the entrance exit. People were leaving in droves to get out because wow. there were. I, and I'll never forget that, that early. That's crazy yeah. because, like I said, against Virginia, we were down twenty four nothing, and then won the game. Well, well, granted, that was an away game. And right, but still, I mean, I'm just saying the precedent was there. Indeed, indeed, the precedent was there, but you know a lot of the casuals aren't going to watch that game. They're not going to go out of their way to find yeah. some random TV network that you have to illegally find. on. They'll see the final score, but that's really about right. it. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah, that's the, fair. they just know, hey, it's 27-0. We could be at on the border talking about Hayden soccer game tomorrow. Everyone was just piling out of the stadium and i was just thinking to myself man this just sucks like we're losing terribly people are leaving like crazy to sum up the first half i guess before we move into the second i think that there was a feeling not necessarily that we couldn't come back but that we were all stuck in the moment of can we even come back uh, right. because we, we we knew that we had the capability the capability was there but can we yeah well, right and like nathan said earlier i mean it i don't think I ever doubted that our offense could put up points because of just how fast we had been putting up points that season. And, you know, like I said, five and a half minutes, 16 points to end the half. So clearly we had the offense to get back. But with that being said, the defense gave up 39 points in a half. So I'm like, 
well, okay, yeah. so we might be able to put up 38, but they've already got 39, right? So I, I find myself even now amazed that the defense only allowed, what, 20 more points in the second half. Like, that that's pretty good, right, considering how the first half went. Yeah, comparatively. Yeah. I watched the game this rewatch uh, with my fiance Courtney, and she wasn't at Tech yet. She would arrive at Tech in another couple years, but so she hadn't really watched this game. She was vaguely aware of it. She knew our references to it, <laughs> right? But she already knew she hated RP Stewart. She just wasn't yes. sure why. <laughs> she remembered hearing Nathan talking his sleep for years about RP Stewart. <laughs> but at one point, I think this is early third quarter. But it it kind of serves this conversation now. She's like, she turns to me, is like, "Are you really telling me Tech only lost this game by two points? Like, there's right. nothing that happens in the first half that makes you think this game will be a two point loss. Yeah, maybe maybe if we're lucky, like a twenty point loss or. A, or a 14 right. loss on that same note like i kept looking at the time left in the game and i'm like wait there's still like 26 points to be scored and there's only like eight minutes left how is this yeah. how did this work and so yeah. uh, just just the sheer pandemonium of the second half i mean it was just insane right so more specifically the fourth quarter but yeah uh, let's start off with that often yeah. forgotten third yes the all unimportant third quarter tech started with the ball in the third quarter and ended up with a turnover on downs but i mean it was a, it was a pretty pretty good drive i think yeah. um down to like the 30 35 of a&m and you can't you can't kick field goals down no 39 to 16 and in a game that big and you know so going um, towards the right call it's just when you're in the third quarter you get into results oriented territory where it doesn't matter how good a drive looks or feels or how much field position you earned what matters now is points because you're fighting the clock and hey obviously in hindsight i'd take those three points right (laughs) yeah ouch (laughs) damn um, and, and one thing also we haven't mentioned, but throughout my notes here that I'm looking at, like in every single drive I have, Quentin Patton is so fucking good. Yeah. Just absolutely shook the piss out of the DB. So just at every turn and, and the announcers were basically by the end of the game saying this guy deserves to be an NFL Hall of Famer right now, like just vote him <laughs> in right now. So, uh, yeah, but but ultimately, you know, like I said, I'd take those three points now knowing what I know, but at the time, going for it on fourth and two felt like a good idea. You're down. It, it makes sense. One thing about Patton real quick, though, because I was a part of the band for five years and he was the only player that ever got his own theme played by the band. Oh, yeah. There's a song called General Patton's March and that was played whenever he had a big player. Whenever he scored a touchdown. Yeah, you could hear it I over the broadcast it. a couple times instead of the fight oh, song. Oh man, yeah, that's awesome. I, I, I forgot about that. that. He came over and saluted the band once when you guys played it for him. I remember that too. Yeah. <laughs> I'll never I remember that well. He came over and saluted. Yeah, so after that turnover on downs, AM is forced to punt, which happened for the first time all game here in the third quarter. And Tech <laughs> responds with a long touchdown drive. Okay, maybe maybe things can start happening. Then AM on the subsequent possession drives all the way down to the one yard line. And then probably the only thing we really have to talk about the third quarter on second and goal, they're running back Ben Molina. Uh, gets stuffed at the line, reaches the ball out to try to break the plane of the end zone, and gets it punched out. And but he was fumbled. he? And yep. he fumbled, yeah. and Tech recovered and, and started driving, and then there are whistles. Yeah, and, and and also of note, Johnny Manziel runs seventy yards down the field, 
strips the first guy who had the ball. I'm not even sure who it was. And then Ray Holly picks it up, doesn't he? And then, and then Johnny Manziel, who had just tackled and stripped the first guy, also somehow tackled the <laughs> second guy with the ball. So Yeah, I think yeah. Ray Holly picked up the ball after it was stripped. I don't remember who had it, but uh, it was all for naught anyway because they ended up uh, saying that the A&M player was down, I believe, at the half-inch line. Yeah, uh, after review, they marked him down at the two. But what surprised me walk, looking back on it, what kind of infuriated me, I'm not really sure if I would have had this opinion in the stadium since there's no replay really right and need sure but there's no way that far referee sees him touch the ground because his what he's not marking is not forward progress first of all the guy didn't the the running back did not touch the ground yeah if he blew it dead he blew it dead because he thought his forward progress was stopped which you can't even you can't review that anyway sure but the far ref who was the one who was emphatically walking in pointing at the ground there's no way he saw anything it was he was completely shielded so yeah just uh, I yeah, mean, that's it's frustrating, right? In a game that comes down to the wire, like, you know, Tech would have had the ball on the 30 yard line going the other way. And yet you give it right back to A&M and obviously they're going to score a touchdown, right? So uh, from, from the half inch line. That was a crazy play. All for not though. And A&M's up scoring. Yeah, they score on the next play after a Johnny Manziel two yard run. Uh, one thing to bring up, though, about that review process, just because this happened a few times throughout the night, I had forgotten until the rewatch how bad the ref mics were that oh, night. Yeah. It was infuriating on the broadcast. It was even more so in the stadium when they didn't have the broadcasters there to tell well, yeah, you what the penalty was. Because the fans are already drunk, and now you're just making it worse because they're like, what is he saying? Well, and, and also, in this case, the call on the field was not clear, and even the broadcasters never said what the call on the field was. They were just like, well, I, I think he might be down, but it's like, but is he down and that would overturn the call or is he down? And that's like, so I, even watching it back, I'm like, I don't even know what they're reviewing right now, because first of all, the ref didn't get his mic work until the fourth quarter, basically. Um, but at, at the end, they said the call stands. So I guess they yeah. said he was down by contact or whatever. His forward progress was stopped. I um, mean, stands is the right call there. You can't yeah, see anything. If that's which the is... call they made on the field, right? But I don't, and I guess that is because the, the one ref blew it dead. But man, that's the kind of thing where you're like, dude, you have to let that play out and then review it right. because he starts blowing his whistle when they're like 35 yards down the field going the other way. It's like, wh- yeah, what are you doing? Uh, I don't know. And then, and then the refs also, the way they review, they don't put on the headset or go to a Microsoft Surface tablet. What he did instead was walk over to the brick-ish wall on the side of the stadium and pick up a red phone like he's calling the Powerpuff Girl <laughs> to speak to <laughs> who's ever in the booth upstairs. Yeah, that's it's a, a series of sketchy and unfortunate events. After that, Tech reaches the end zone on the next drive, and then the team trade punts to end the quarter with the score at the end of the third quarter. 46 to 30 in favor of Texas A&M. Which again, that's, yeah, I mean, it's it, only a two, it's a two score game. Two score game. Yeah. yeah and, and that's insane at that point. And I just want to mention the two touchdowns um, of that quarter were both Quentin Patton. The first one was a fade. Hmm. I remember it. Well. Hmm. Hmm. Mm. Back shoulder, beautiful <laughs> throw from Colby Cameron. Just, I mean, nobody literally Quentin Patton could not have been covered by an all pro NFL DB in this game. Like the dude was on fire. Like no one in the world could have covered this man this night. So that's going to come up later. But the second one was a slant where Colby Cameron did a shoulder fake. Like he was throwing the fade. Like he, he kind of cocks his front shoulder up. Like he's going to, like he's going to bomb it over, over the top. And then QP does a, a, a little double move and cuts inside and it's a slant. And oh man, it was just so pretty. Colby Cameron and Quentin Patton just had this, 
like connection on the field that's really hard to explain if you don't just like go watch it. It was just incredible tonight and really that whole season too. Yeah, it was. Yeah, so going into the fourth quarter now, Tech has the ball and a 21-yard Dixon run caps off a 69-yard. Be- yeah, probably one of the best plays of the night um, and one that I'll never forget because it happened oh. in the south end. It, it happened in the end zone where you guys and where myself, uh, and I'll never forget that. That's one of my favorite moments. Oh, yeah. The, this is this is the Kenneth Dixon run that you think of when you think of, I mean, maybe that one or the 99-yarder at ULL, but like looking back at Kenneth Dixon, I think my first thought is always, I mean, he gets face masked behind the line yeah. of scrimmage. His Adjust helmet is loose. His his chin strap is up above his eyes. Like he he can't see where he's going. He shakes like three more dudes. Then gets <laughs> like then gets like horse collared around the five yard line. But he's not going down. And this guy like he drags this guy into the end zone and just goes buck wild. Like oh yeah. man, just gosh, so great. And and I I had totally forgotten right before this play on a I think it was on a third down too Andrew Giot who I don't yeah. did not remember at all yeah. had a ludicrous catch where it got tipped straight up in the air and the dude just keeps running full speed gets both tiptoes in bounds as he catches the ball like five yards out of bounds and that set up the Dixon run on the very the very next play I think so yeah oh, I- man. I had in my notes about that pass too, that that catch was criminally underrated. I yeah. love watching uh, Colby Cameron's reaction to it because on the <laughs> replay they played it, he looks totally unfazed. He's like, he throws yeah. it, it gets tipped, it gets caught. It's like, oh, okay, cool. <laughs> we're, we're first he's down. Like, he's like, he's that's the Dyke system. It's like, all right, positive game. We're running the next play. Let's go. Right? Like, it, it's just like a machine, but. I was like, I'm just imagining him watching the the David Tyree catch in the Super Bowl, having thrown it or something, and just being like, eh, whatever, let's keep going. Yeah. All right, that was cool, well, I guess. <laughs> the uh, that t- obviously the touchdown was incredible, but uh, what followed, I believe, was our only good two point conversion attempt of the night. Yeah, well, it started with a fade pattern to Quentin Patton, uh, but pass interference was called. So yeah. on the next he, play, he was interfered with. Hmm. Hmm. I don't know. Maybe put that in your, in your noggin for later, uh, Sunny Dykes. I don't know. Yeah. Quentin Patton drew about five pass interference calls tonight, by the way, on top of his what, 23 receptions. So I don't know, maybe, maybe just, I don't know, give him the ball in any (laughs) upcoming (laughs) events that may occur. I don't know. Um, Well, I mean, the actual extra point attempt that was successful was a Colby Cameron bootleg to the left. Right. Right. So no Patton required there. Right. But that made it an eight-point game, and then the next oh my score. Gosh. Can we then, can we just stop and talk about the atmosphere before the next okay, thing that yeah. happened? It's a one-score game. I mean, this is what maybe an hour of real time since we were down thirty-nine to thirteen at half or thirty-nine to sixteen at maybe halftime. About like, that, or about that, or ninety minutes, and in that span of time, at least where I was, because the crowd was deflated, right? Um, a lot, and a lot of people had already left. Um, so where I was at. Um, the feeling was kind of like, uh, wow, we're we're going to lose, and we're going to lose badly. Because the people I had came with, I came with my brother Kevin, you guys know well at this point. <laughs> he was there with me, and so were some family friends. And they all left, I think, in the second. I had some other friends uh, show up, and I ended up hanging out with them. And they must have been the good luck, because that, whenever we scored and got the two-pointer, that's kind of when everybody started thinking to themselves, wow. Maybe we'll maybe we'll win. Maybe we have a shot. Which, of course, uh, was only. It's really hard for me to put into words the next score that happened. 
so so i know we're all champing at the bit for this one yeah, but go ahead I, I want to start with with this little bit though so you're right about the stadium i know that we had a few people uh, tweet at us about how the this stadium was after this play that we're about to talk about or during it but the oh. crowd was into it even before then yeah that's that's what i had in my notes was just that right. watching it back it, the atmosphere at this point was like we are in this game and we are like our offense can't be stopped now we're 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 hype we're we're in it we're going to win right like that's that's my feeling even before the next thing that happened so the well, first play that yeah. doesn't actually get counted uh, was a drop back pass play where one of the defensive players for tech was held one of the defensive linemen I, yes Shaq lucas was it, it was lucas? Shaq lucas yeah this was held well there were several then, penalties on that drive yeah well yeah well then the next is after uh, a five yard penalty to a false start due to that crowd noise yeah so the crowd's energized even more because once you get told hey crowd you're having an effect on the game that just tells the yeah. crowd be louder right see you're the way you're building this is making me want oh to cry. my god <laughs> I'm, really... I'm just, there's like 30 for 30 music playing in my head right now like <laughs> nfl films type shit you know like... that, and that, that nhl theme for history will be made is playing in the background <laughs> but yeah it was uh like looking back guys i may be wrong and just have to retract my whole i mean it wasn't the super bowl but my god like the series of events that happened uh where dixon ran it in from 21 got his helmet ripped off and got horse collared and then bulldozed his way in the end zone the crowd's getting hype you get the two-point conversion you're within one score and then a&m gets the ball and now the crowd's having an effect on the game uh in the positive way for la tech they're backed up they're backed up they're backed up and it happened let's just play the game audio on first and a quarter of the field looking to drop off the screen intercepted touchdown sakeo lucas Oh my god. I mean, how can you not be hype after that? Yeah. Here's here's what I have in my notes. The momentum is totally shifted and the crowd is fucking loving it. And then I have in all caps, God damn, it's so fucking beautiful. Fuck shit. Check motherfucking Lucas. Yeah, because uh Manzel was about to creamed in the end zone for a safety. Uh, yeah. He was about to eat Manzel alive. Uh, and in retrospect, I guess Manzel should have just ate it. Um, yeah. but uh, and the announcers said, so, well, you know, I'm skipping the most important part. Yeah. So yeah, Manziel's about to get eaten alive and he just throws it directly at Shaq Lucas. And, just like uh, straight into his outstretched arms. It's so yeah. beautiful. Oh my yeah, God. Just, just throws it straight at Shaq Lucas, who then runs it in easily for the pick six. Uh, oh, when that happened. At the exact moment that happened, uh, one of my closest friends, best man at my wedding, Nick, uh, grabs me like we're two lovers in Paris. <laughs> and is he's not a La Tech fan at all. He was there just to get drunk. As you do. He, it, right. He grabbed me like he was in love with me and just starts pulling me in. And at that point, <laughs> I, I started doing Move It Like Bernie. <laughs> started doing like a bernie dance uh, oh man because i was i was overcome with uh like what's crazy is i remember Shaq picking it off and i remember him running towards the end zone but i don't remember much about him going into the end zone because at that point all hell had broken loose where i was at oh, my and the crowd was going dude. The, the crowd was going ape shit yeah and, and one one thing to note here is that several people wrote in and said that the video on YouTube doesn't begin to capture absolutely how loud the not. stadium was. Yeah, absolutely um, not. It doesn't. I, I mean, my my own personal story about this moment, which I've shared several times, is that you know, being 
a trombone section leader, I was supposed to be playing the fight song, but I was too busy, like, screaming expletives, you know, at at the top of my lungs. Because this, as far as, like, football moments go, right? Like, this is my favorite play that I've ever, like, seen in my life. You know, I I guess the Tracy Porter pick six in the Super Bowl is arguably more more important from a, a, like, results standpoint. But uh, this is still, to this day, the most hype I have ever been in my life about anything ever. Right. So we were, we were going insane, making crowd, like being a part of the crowd noise right before that. And I don't know how I could possibly be expected to stop being a part of the crowd noise and start playing the fight song. So, you know, if J Rob's listening, I'm not apologizing for not playing the fight (laughs) song. Um, He's retroactively pulling your scholarship. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, sitting, sitting in the band i'm not sure if i heard the band playing because it was right. just so loud yeah and then half the you band probably was also heard yelling. me yelling shit in the back, <laughs> of your, in the back of your head. <laughs> i would yeah it was a stunning thing when it happened and i just remember going crazy uh screaming and yelling i mean really it was point blank period if tech would have won this game it would have been the greatest thing in tech history the greatest thing in tech athletic history for me it would have absolutely been the number one undisputed greatest and shaq lucas's pick six then becomes the greatest play in tech sports ever right yeah uh but it isn't well it's still great but uh (laughs) i think it was still number one on our on our list that we put out for the decade right if i i I don't remember it was either that or speedy it comes down to those two oh i guess I guess it was Speedy, right? Speedy, um, you know, when, when he puts back and he wins the game, the crowd went crazy. I was there for that too, luckily, and the crowd went absolutely insane. Occasionally, if I'm feeling kind of sad, I go back and I just turn it up and make my ears bleed uh, because it's that satisfying of a crowd reaction. For the record, Shaq's pick six against Texas A&M was our number three. That's, oh, wow. that's ridiculous. Number two it was ridiculous. Uh, Jonathan Barnes' Armed Forces Bowl game. Ridiculous. Yeah, that, that is I mean, ridiculous. Uh, because, uh, but getting back to this and getting back, you know, getting us back on course, uh, Shaq gets that pick. The place is going crazy. We're all going crazy. Here's what he said in in an interview afterwards. He said, I don't really remember a lot about it. I jumped the route. And when I saw the end zone in front of me, my pee, my peewee days kicked in and I wasn't going to be denied. And <laughs> I mean, he didn't, he could have walked into the end zone basically oh, yeah, he could where he, he could picked have. that ball off. But, uh, man, just, just incredible. Yeah. It was. I mean, it's it's one of the best moments in sports for me of all time, and I think it'll probably retain that spot until I'm no longer a part of the circuit. Until Tech wins an Addy <laughs> in a few years. Well, let's hope so. So that happens. Crowd is even more into it now, right? It, it was insanely loud to start with, even louder now. Maybe that crowd noise has some effect because what comes up must also come down. Tech down two still has to make a two-pointer. Uh, guess what the call is? Guess what ends up happening on this play? It's a toss-up to uh, R.P. Stewart on the left side of the field. Gets picked off and returned halfway wait, across the field. Was I, it? I didn't even notice yeah, that. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, yeah. I, I rewatched it this afternoon, that play, because I didn't get a good it, look watching it again earlier a couple days ago. It, it was R.P. Stewart. It's oh what my. makes it. It's what makes the ending to this worse. Can I just like retroactively <laughs> so that, go back and just like punch Sonny Dykes in the dick? <laughs> so that's not, that wasn't the play call. He looked right, wasn't open. Uh, I, I'm assuming that was Patton to the right. He I kind of so, uh, yeah. bootlegged around to the left, set his feet planted, and by that point, R.P. Stewart had no separation. Uh, right. It was just a, a hail mary of a get the ball out to a receiver right. who's in single coverage. Wasn't, 
Right. Not RP, a design four play. catches on the season. Stewart didn't didn't have separation on the play. Huh. Weird. <laughs> I yeah. mean, he wasn't, oh, he, was, he wasn't even supposed to get the ball or anything. He's a like yeah, tertiary. It's or... those, sure. It's one but of those. Quinn Penton had drives in this game where he had more than five receptions on a drive. That's all I'm saying. All right. Well, so also uh, Colby Cameron set that record for like most attempts without an INT. So I guess this one didn't count. I guess no, I don't think no. their point conversion ones don't Con- count towards no con- conversion attempts not count. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I don't remember too much about the stadium environment immediately after this, but I imagine that sucked some of the soul Whoa. out of the field. Honestly, what most I, people probably didn't even notice. Yeah. That's, that's, what, I was, that's what I was going to say is I, where I was at, people noticed, but at that point there was still enough time in the game where people oh, felt yeah. like, you know what? Being down two, tech's still going to have a shot. Oh, yeah. And then uh, a moved on a slow, methodical drive down the field, which right. ate up quite a bit of time uh, before their score. Yeah. That took uh, uh, four minutes and 31 seconds off the clock. Right. By the time they're in the end zone, there was, I mean, still seven minutes and 28 seconds left. But now Tech's down by two scores. And, and honestly, the defense looked okay on that drive. Like you said, A&M was trying to slow down, but it wasn't until Tech gave them a free play and Johnny Manziel just bombed it and they picked up some wide open guy for 32 yards. Um, so before that, it was kind of like three three yards in a cloud of dust type thing. So it was like maybe Tech can get off the field here. But like I said, they gave him – somebody jumped off sides, and uh, Manziel took advantage of it there. So right. um, really, it, it still felt like the momentum was on our side at that point until that play and then, and then eventually scoring the touchdown. And then now Tech has the ball. I believe this was actually cut out of the YouTube video that yeah. we saw because they just skipped over this tech drive. The tech ends up punting it after five plays on the sixth play, a 71 yard punt by Ryan Allen that gets down at the one. Yeah. Ryan Allen t- punting yeah. Jesus. I have in my notes here. <laughs> well, that was a 71 yard punt, but then what followed was a 72 uh, yard run. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Jesus. So, I mean, I th- I think at this point they're pinned at the one. What happened last time they were down by the goal line? Shaq right. Lucas with our favorite play of all time, basically. And so I-, I think the expectations were high. There's four minutes left in the game. You're down. I guess you're down nine at this point. So you need something Correct. to happen. And it-, it feels like this is the best possible scenario for something to sure. happen. Right. You get you get the safety. You're only down by seven. You get the ball back. And now we're thinking be overtime. I think it gets it gets worse than the buildup that you are giving it because first down in 10 from the one yard line it's a 29 yard complete pass to immediately get rid of that threat a few plays later tech ends up putting them in a third and 23 yeah and and Uh, even even before that ben melina went the distance on an option play but there was a hold on mike evans that brought it back then mike evans got called for a personal foul because he's hot-headed basically we'll say so yeah it's third and 23 now and you're like all right we're we got it and this is where Manziel goes to the house on a 72-yard touchdown. I was watching Tech's strategy on defense. What were they doing differently in the second half? How did they adapt to Manziel, and why did it matter so much? And what they were doing was stacking the box. They weren't. They were saying, fine, if you go deep over the top of us, so be it. But we're not going to let you beat us in the short game or with your legs. The issue, though, is on third and 23, stacking the box works against you because you're just taking everybody out of the play. Uh, Manziel waited for the rush to get past him, then moved out of the pocket and yep. took it the distance now that everybody was behind him and he was the fastest player on the field. He just he just went underneath whichever, I think right. it was a cornerback or a safety that blitzed. And yeah, just took off. Just went underneath and, and there was absolutely no catching him from that point. And yeah, I mean... <sighs> 
it was hard to watch this back because I knew that it was coming at some point. I didn't remember exactly when. I actually thought it was before the uh, the Shaq Lucas touchdown. So, like, I thought it was between the Shaq Lucas and Kenneth Dixon runs. But, yeah, I mean, God, it's it's wow. a killer right there. With with two minutes and four seconds remaining is where this happened. Right. So, and it happened, like the end of the game. Right. Yeah. And so, on that note, when that happened, you know, I, I folded and I was just like, well, you know, we're down, we're down 15 and they're we're not going to come back from this. Uh, so I just, uh, I took off with my friend, Nick, and we walked out of the stadium and there was a, uh, a group of people in a tent with a, with a plasma screen uh, watching the game. And we had heard the crowd going a little crazy. And uh, that was when Quentin Patton had that touchdown, I believe where he uh, looked like he was going out of bounds, but decided, and the defender gave up and then he just ran the rest of the way. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, so before that tech is down 15 with right. a minute 46 left two minute drill set up to score you seven points in two minutes. Like right, how are you right. going to do this twice with one timeout left and less than two minutes? The first yeah, thing you do good. is you give the ball to Quentin Patton. Right. The first thing you do this entire night is give the ball to Quentin Patton. And yeah, we had a, uh, a fan comment about Patton's fake out of bounds move. We, we kind of referenced, if you haven't seen that, just go watch that because it's really hard to explain what happened, but Quentin Patton like makes it untouched about probably 20 yards down the field and he's getting close to the sideline. So he just kind of slows up a little bit and the safety that's coming over to make sure he goes out of bounds, just like seizes up, up and, and yeah. says, all right, he's going out of bounds. And he just immediately on seeing that like micro move, like I'm, I'm just envisioning Patton working in slow motion. Like he sees that opening it just takes off to the house and like right that guy had no time to react it was just it was over before it began right so, he was yeah, flat footed and, and quentin was taken off right like a deleted scene from the sonic movie it was <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so yeah jed is. jed w says uh is there anything more iconic from that game than Patton acting like he's going out of bounds and then taking it to the house so uh, in a game in, in like a, a game of moments that we've all come to love this is one of the ones that's just like Maybe a little underrated because it's, yeah, it's a touchdown, but obviously, you know, the things right before it have just happened. The things at, there's still more to come, but Patton faked like he was going out of bounds and scored a touchdown. Like anything he did worked tonight. So yeah, it was awesome. Yeah. So we're getting, we're getting to the point where you're alluding to. Yeah. Right. I heard what was going on in the stadium, but I never actually saw what happened until after the fact. So he scores and I get to the plasma screen TV and that's where tech attempts their first onside kick of the night, which wouldn't, you know it, they recover. Yeah. Uh, so Great kick by Matt Nelson. They, uh, got the onside back. And I remember there was a scrum at the bottom. The refs were taking forever. Players were standing around like, who's got the blah, blah, blah. And when they said that Tech had it, much like Quentin Patton, I immediately went from going out of bounds to the car to sprinting back <laughs> towards the stadium. <laughs> uh, I didn't even tell Nick I was going back to the stadium. I just immediately sprinted <laughs> towards the stadium. <laughs> And uh, he was uh, right. He was right behind me. And I sprinted all the way back. The old man sitting at the chair by the entrance just didn't even acknowledge me. He was just ready for it to be over with. I ran right past him and sprinted up the stairs, like jumping two, three stairs at a time to get all the way to the top. Ran basically exactly where I was previously. And that's when the next and final score of the night for Tech that I got to that. I was, again, it was in the end zone that we were all in. And it was right in front of me. It was a 13-yard pass from Colby Cameron to Ray Holly. Yep. 
with 38 seconds. Yeah, and, and to, to A&M's credit, I mean, Ray Holly was wide open. They wide left open. the middle of the field completely wide open, but that's kind of what you're supposed to do when Tech, I believe Tech had one timeout. We may have burned it at this point, but, and, and when you've got a guy like Quentin Patton on the edge, right, leave the middle of the field open, sure, right? So why are you, why are you going to cover the, sure at this point, second string running back well, coming out of the backfield, right? At this point, though, um, Patton finished the game with 21 receptions for 233 yards and four touchdowns. Four touchdowns. I mean, it, it, I, the four touchdowns is insane. Two of the but, touchdowns were back shoulder fades from like inside the five yard line, too. By the way, this man's but, just this guy's just not going to let it go. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm not going to let it go. No, hell no. Tw- I'm not we haven't go. even gotten to it yet. <laughs> yeah, but, but what boggles my mind is the 21 receptions for 233 yards. But anyway. Ray Holly catches that ball, and I remember as soon as he caught it, and it was a touchdown. I, I don't know what came over me, but I was like freaking out at this point, and uh, I, I was like, "Man, we're really we're going to go for two, and we're going to freaking go to overtime. We're going to win." And then, like Nathan well, said I think, earlier today, I think to get into where I was at before the two point conversion, I mean, I don't really remember celebrating too wildly before that touchdown like I did the Shaq Lucas one at this point I think my mindset was basically like we are going to win this game in overtime like it is happening this is our night it's happening right so I'm sure I was still nervous in the moment going up into the two-point conversion but I don't remember the the crowd reaction being as wild as it was it was almost a foregone conclusion that we were scoring that touchdown after we got the onside kick like I know yeah. nothing's a foregone conclusion, but like that's just the way it felt to me. At, le- at least looking back on it, that's kind of what I remember. And, just being like, no, this is happening now. Like this, this I, is this I is. I mean, yeah. from my point of view, I I was kind of the opposite. Tech had already had a chance to tie with a two point conversion and yeah. missed it earlier in the game, and A and M had run away with it. There's still 38 seconds left, and Johnny Manziel oh, yeah, has to get the ball. To me, <laughs> right. I'm not. I'm thinking like first we have to get this two pointer, which is not foregone. Uh, we've already failed. Had we even? We've gotten I've one of a what, couple of three. Yeah, yeah um, I think so. Yeah, already in this game. They, I think my thought was really more there's still time on this clock, and that's what's scaring me more than anything. And that's when I mean, the crowd did not react. I mean, the Shaq Lucas thing, I mean, come on, nothing was yeah. going to top that unless that happened in the last play that won the game, in which case I probably would have died at the independent stadium <laughs> right. that day. Literally had uh, a heart attack and died, yes, <laughs> and died. Uh, but I remember reacting the way I did, and the fans were still going pretty. I mean, obviously, people were going wild, but. It's time to talk about something that all don't like to talk about, which has been uh, brewing in our in the tears of tech fans for eight years nearly, and that is that subsequent point. Yeah, Nathan, you want to patch in audio here from it? Yeah. That, Are we really going to patch in the audio? Come on. Yeah. No, we're going to still talk about it. But I know I, that's not what I'm upset about. I'm upset that I have to hear it. My first option is to number four, but have a legitimate secondary option right now you're going to get singled away from Quentin Patton someone on that side of the field needs to be available to make a play you can choose his spot as an offense on a two-point conversion so they choose the left task and give the entire right side of the field the number four a lot of room he's creating some room typically to go to the fade Fade to the near side, incomplete, Texas A&M still leads by two. Went for R.P. Stewart. 
And the look on Sonny Dyke's face almost says, why? God damn it. God damn it. I mean, yeah. Look, I will forever be on team. Throw the ball to Patton. I don't care if he's triple covered, right? And and we'll get into we had some comments from other people that rebut that point of view, and maybe Nathan and Matt have a different point of view. But look, 21 receptions, 233 yards, two back shoulder fade touchdowns, one fake back shoulder fade slant touchdown. <laughs> I mean, dude, just just give him the like give him the ball in a reverse. I don't care. Like just give Patton well, the ball. Look, I, I get it, but I went back and someone thought it would be a good idea to put the, the GIF up on Twitter of the RP Stewart two-point conversion yeah, fail. I, I, uh, <laughs> I wanted everyone else to suffer with me, damn it. Damn sadomasochist. And uh, <laughs> and I, I just sat there re-watching it over and over again. I looked at RP Stewart on the left. I looked at uh, Colby Cameron in the backfield. And I looked to the right and saw Patton. I watched the offensive line. I watched A&M's rush. And the thing that I don't remember is, and what I think Tech should have done in the circumstance, because no one would have seen it coming, is why not just hand the ball off to Dixon? You know, like, I, so why not just do that? My argument against that was, if you look at the formation starting up, they're stacking the box. And really what I think needs to happen on these plays, because Tech ran that formation pretty much every time they ran a two-point conversion play. It was two wideouts, one to the left, one to the right. Dixon in the backfield, I think some tight ends. Basically, your goal line set. Right. But a two Version isn't really a goal line play when you do it right. You still have to get six feet, right? Yeah, I mean, right. The goal line set on first and goal from the two or whatever, if you get a yard, that's not a win, but it's definitely not a loss. Right. So Tech is playing spread with several wideouts all over the place, motion or not so much motion, but setting all this up. I agree with you running, but to run, I think you need to spread the offense out more and play like yeah. a spread team running a play and less like go, a... Go with the four wide receiver set or something like that. Four wide with Dixon in the backfield, give it to Dixon. I'd be totally okay with that. Yeah, and that... I know, uh, I remember a Sean Payton interview, <laughs> this is NFL, but same thing, where they have like three two-point plays when they go into a game. And this was Tech's third or fourth of this game. <laughs> I think it was more, they just run through their two-point plays already. And, I, okay, let's go back to this one, I guess. I honestly, until you pointed out that the previous one uh, where the interception happened was attempted to RP Stewart, I, I thought that it was... Uh, Dykes just outthinking himself, right? Because well, they called timeout right before it too. Like you had said, they oh, were for right. that right before this uh, conversion attempt. Yeah, and I mean, when you look at it that way, and Watex Sports Report pointed this out too. Qu- Quentin Patton was the obvious choice, right? And then even the other choices would be the bootleg that Colby Cameron ran earlier, and or do a damn screen to Dixon or something because they were going to bull rush you. The thing, the last thing you would have expected is to go to the opposite side of the field from Quentin Patton and to do it right away because, right. like you said previously, Colby Cameron kind of scrambled a little bit, looked to the right to Patton, he wasn't open, and then threw it back to to R.P. Stewart's side. Where was Miles White in this? Was he hurt or something? Like, why is I don't? I was remember. thinking that too. I don't remember. Yeah. He it, played anyway, early on the game. He just wasn't yeah, there so, for this. I mean, but look it. In a do-or-die situation, and and Ben Carlisle pointed this out too, you you just have to go with your best player, right? It's it's the moment that you're winning the game. Give the ball to your best player, and if you don't make the play, you don't make the play, right? But right, you know. Well, you could, and, and Jed W pointed this out too. It, it it wasn't only that Quentin Patton was was there that night. It was that, like I said earlier, no one on earth could cover this man this night. Yeah. So I I don't know. Your, your worst 
scenario feels like a pass interference. Right. And right. If exactly. A, if, there's a, if there's a and if there's a pass interference, you move up to the one, and then you could plausibly give it to Dixon to bowling right. ball himself into the end zone. But ultimately, none of that happened, and the pass went to the left to RP Stewart. Which I mean, I can't hate on RP Stewart for this because it wasn't a very oh, good it a throw. Ter- it was a terrible <laughs> pass. There's no. Yeah. I, I mean. And, and Colby Cameron basically fired it immediately after he right. got the ball, right? I, I mean, yes. it wasn't a very well set up or developed play. I don't know if Colby got like happy feet or something and, and thought the blitz was coming, but he had more time to let RP Stewart make a move. Right. And if um, he just, if he just, but he was that... expecting it to just be there, right? To, to have the separation no. from the line of scrimmage be enough, but that may have been the case on the other side of the field with Quentin Patton, but I, I mean, he just, he threw the ball too fast for RP Stewart to really even have a chance. So right, uh, it's he... not necessarily RP Stewart's fault. It's just, that was the play call though. That's my biggest problem is that right. Sonny Dykes called that play. It, it was never, Quentin Patton was a decoy on that play. It was never going to him. Right. So it could be in defense of Sonny Dykes, what could have happened because when Tech lined up and the play call went in, it was single coverage both sides of the field. Then a defensive back started moving outside once everybody was set and after Tech had the play call in. What Cameron may have done is saw, okay, now they're doubling up Patton, and so I'm going to switch and throw to the other side, which may be why R.P. Stewart looks so surprised the ball is even being thrown his way. Right. It just... I mean, we've, you know, we've gone through all the what ifs, the coulda, woulda, shouldas, and ultimately what did happen. What sucks so bad about it is that it was such an anticlimactic end to what had been a a stellar, like epic game. It was such like a letdown. And it was when that happened, I just, I remember I couldn't even really grasp how awful it was. But what I do remember uh, very well is that whenever it happened, everyone was around me was stunned and then all of a sudden a guy to my right a couple of rows down started turned around and started yelling to nobody in particular any i guess anybody who wanted to listen to him he was like oh yeah let's just throw the ball to rp stewart the guy that's got four (laughs) catches on the season and who got kicked off the team two years ago or something (laughs) uh so basically this was like me a time traveler (laughs) going back (laughs) <laughs> Which and I don't know how accurate all those claims were that he made that RP Stewart had been kicked off the team or whatever. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I have no idea. I know the four catches thing is accurate, and I think that guy was definitely team thrower to Quentin Patton quintuple coverage. Um, but that happened, and at that point, I knew it was over for good. And I sauntered over to the BOP, and I remember I went over to Daniel, and then I went down to Evan. And I put my hand on his shoulder, and he just looked at me like, uh. I had just gotten done burning his house down <laughs> and uh, just, I mean, because you had a lot of stuff going on personally that I obviously won't get into. So it was just like a, yeah, really... I, I got dumped the night before this game for my long-term yeah. uh, girlfriend. So that, that was great. And this game was extremely cathartic for me. Unfortunately, we didn't end up winning, but um... give me something else to be mad about, by yeah, the way, Matt, <laughs> Matt RP Matt, Stewart was suspended yeah. from the team for violating a team rule back in 2010. Okay, so oh, yeah, he wasn't okay. necessarily wasn't kicked off the team, but had been suspended. So I'm becoming more and more convinced that this guy yelling is me. Once time travel is invented, <laughs> yeah, and, and I'll never. I'm like try to convince Sonny Dykes not to throw it to him. And I can't, <laughs> <laughs> so I just turn around. <laughs> it's it's so vivid in my mind because this guy just turned around and started yelling to nobody in particular. I guess he was just trying to air his grievance. 
and said, right. yeah, let's said something like, yeah, let's throw it to RP Stewart, the guy with four catches on the year and who got kicked off the team two years ago or something. And, uh, oh, man. I get it. I want to move on from this. And I will by saying this, like, I don't blame RP Stewart for what happened. Really. I blame Colby Cameron, but RP Stewart, uh, is now married. He has a daughter and is a personal trainer in Austin, Texas. And he looks very happy in his Q and A on that personal no. trainer website. <laughs> no disrespect to R.P. Stewart. I mean, terrible play call, terrible turn of events, and really, like you said, just the most anticlimactic ending to this game, I think, possible. Because you'd, you'd picture it being like Quentin Patton on a on a bubble screen, like reaching out, and the ball just doesn't make it. Like, that's how, yeah, you know, that's like, how it is. It's like slow motion, like seven guys tackle him, and he can't, like, he can't break loose or something. And, you know, just to have a, sure. a sailed pass. Like, RB right, Stewart yeah. didn't even have a chance to make a play on the ball, right? And it's just... It's uh, interesting It's interesting to think about, well, what would it, what could have happened if RP Stewart reacted more quickly and the ball was actually put in the form to catch it? Would he have caught it? Then we could shit all over RP Stewart if he wouldn't have caught it. But he was, wasn't in a position to succeed. And after that, you know, Evan from 2020 went back in time and yelled. And then <laughs> I, I had gone over and basically said goodbye to my friends and was taken off. Uh, what's really crazy is all these years later, I've always kind of mused on the idea of what would have happened if Tech would have recovered a second onside kick and Matt Nelson would have kicked a field goal. Ugh. I we actually used... had someone on Twitter say that right. the most important play of the game or the play that they would change is the second onside kick. And, and, right. and I wouldn't go with that because, I mean, onside kicks no. are what, like 4% success anyway, yeah. so... Well, that's why you pick it. Right. Yeah, I mean, so, the Falcons pulled me off in a game not too long ago. Oh my God, I guess the Saints. Yeah, don't remind me. But um, and, uh, <laughs> I just, I would, I would muse on that forever. And I was just thinking to myself, if that would have happened, if we would have gotten the second onside kickback and then kicked a field goal to win by one point, 60 to 59, I'm pretty sure this is another situation in which I would have died at Independence Stadium then. Right. But yeah, like we said, second onside kick was not successful. Then A&M kneels the ball out to end and, the game and that was uh, it let's let's kind of jump to our general thoughts about the game <laughs> in a desperate attempt to move off the two-pointer no two-point conversation allowed right okay all right okay. there's our rule um one thing i wanted to point out watching the game was i noticed that the main sponsor for this game was five hour energy which felt kind of yeah um made to be considering how the broadcast on youtube is like three hours and 45 minutes and it skips through all the commercials and misses the first touchdown and skips the drive in the fourth <laughs> quarter like this game didn't end till At like 1 a.m yeah it took forever central time it, i mean wow yeah that and i just my final thoughts on the game and i'll make this brief uh was the word that comes to mind is exhaust just like emotionally and physically exhausted emotionally didn't have any five-hour energy right uh emotionally exhausted because i the game had started off so badly then it became so good and then shaq lucas happened and you know everyone was in ecstasy and then you know right back down to that deflated feeling and then physically exhausted from going into my best usain bolt impression to get back into independent stadium <laughs> uh so it was just exhausting and i don't well, yeah i don't i don't know a better word to put it and, and to go from like you said like the expectations were so high and then you know all of a sudden an hour of real time into the game your expectations are so low that you're like maybe i should leave with my brother right like it, it's right. 27 nothing right now right like and then you know to to experience what one of our uh one of our write-ins was that the shack lucas pick six was 
absolutely euphoric, which is a great way to describe that, you know, to to experience all those things in a five hour span and then to just kind of leave confused and like, I mean, the end of the game was, was absolutely gutting, right? Like we talk about it now and I have overall fine, fond memories of this game because like, it just was the most insane sporting event I've ever been to. Like the atmosphere was the best, like just, just pure insanity the whole time. And you know, but but leaving the stadium, I don't even remember leaving the stadium, honestly, because it was just that kind of like dejected yeah. walk that I've gotten so used to doing walking out of tech games <laughs> where we, we almost won, but didn't. Right. Um, and, and one thing I wanted to note here was that the uh, YouTube video cuts off pretty much right after the game. But they did have the very beginning of Kevin Sumlin, uh, A&M's coach, being interviewed and he was asked what his players did to stave off this crazy comeback. And he literally just kind of looks up and goes, I don't know. <laughs> just like, he seemed completely shell-shocked. And, and that's honestly how I think everyone, and I'm sure if, if we had uh, gotten any A&M fans that were at this game or remember watching this game, I, I'm sure they would have reacted the same well, way, right? Just like, well, what did I, um, I just watch? What was I just a part of? When I got to uh, my buddy's car, uh, he was parked right behind some A&M fans who were, all around their vehicle there was like five or six of them and uh you know i had said hey man great game and he was like crazy game <laughs> i remember he's like crazy game and i was you know all these years later yeah that rings true i mean it was a, it was definitely a crazy crazy game and touching on what you said about post game i never heard this firsthand i heard it later secondhand from somebody uh that sunny dykes called out the La Tech fans for leaving early i don't know if that just really? like he left the program early the next day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. I, I I vaguely remember something about that. Yeah, um, him saying that, you know, that's why you don't leave a lot of tech game because we always have a chance and basically bring out the fans for leaving early, which I want you to be here when we lose to Utah State in overtime later this year. Yeah. Do and, not leave early. Anyway. That's a game uh, I do not want to revisit. But yeah, yeah it we're, was, not, we're uh, not watching that one, no. <laughs> it was a uh, it was a crazy game, and it would kind of it would kind of be foreshadowing uh, the heartache that would follow later in the year, both to Utah State and then inexplicably to San Jose State, and then almost comedically and suspiciously, more awfully, not even going to a bowl game after the season was over. Right. Yeah, that's a, that's not something we could go back and watch the tape of because it just simply doesn't exist. It does not. Yeah, and, and we had another uh, fan write in. Old Dog 75 said he was physically and emotionally exhausted more than any other game he's ever been at. Um, that he and his wife just looked at each other and wondered what could have been. And his biggest takeaway was that his wife said, I hate AM more than LSU, and she still stands by that to this day. So <laughs> Yeah, that's um, that's an interesting sentiment. And uh, you know, um, I don't know, man. Like I, I feel like I'm doing the thousand yard stare right now at the wall because I'm just I have the Kanye music playing in the background. I'm Stephen A. Smith because I don't want to think about the game anymore. <laughs> well, then let's move on from the game and do our end of show wrapping up bits. Let's do the tweet of the week. We didn't pick one before the show and there wasn't. I'm excited for this. What is this going to be? So Nathan? in the chat I post or in our document I posted, I'll post in the Facebook group now so Matt can see it as well. I want to get your live reactions to this photo. Sure. I'm looking right now. <laughs> All right, let's see. I'm pulling it up. Oh, God. <laughs> what? 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 <laughs> oh, man. That's... Oh, no. That's 
That's so bad. That's a really, that's a truly great thing. <laughs> Someone says delete. Oh, man. <laughs> to this describe needs, it, since uh, this is an audio medium, the tweet is from at a underscore new deal. It says pog champs in the chat, and it's a picture of champ, the mascot. Well, I guess not champ. It's, it's, the, it's the bulldog, a bulldog logo, logo, but uh, heavily photoshopped in a way that <laughs> I will just leave a link in the show notes and we'll tweet it out too. Probably. Yeah, we'll tweet it out on Tuesday. Oh, I'll make brutal. sure to... Yikes. Yeah, that, that's how I feel. I feel I, I am making that face whenever I think about <laughs> the A&M game. Um, so that's, that's a fitting ending there. It is. Ooh, this is going to be a long episode. Yeah, yeah it is. So let's not make it any longer. That wrap out wraps it up for this episode of the Go Tech Please Untie podcast. As always, you can follow us on Twitter at G O T E C H P L S D N T D I E, or head to our blog where I just posted uh, the first part in a. We'll see how many parts it is. Uh, piece on the history of the seventeen part football. series. Who um, are on record now, Nathan? You have to yes. write that oh, no. many parts. Oh no, I only have the first three planned, and that's at <laughs> gtpdd.dog. And until next time, I'm Nathan. I'm Evan. I'm Matt. And go tech. Please don't throw it to RP suit ever again. Oh, please. please don't. Please. Please don't. So let's okay. We have to pretend that it just yeah. Played. We have to so pretend that we okay. just heard. So what we're gonna do is the clip has just ended where RP Stewart fails miserably. Evan, go. God damn it.